0: Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a long-time gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Hey everybody, welcome back. We are the 20-Minute Scriptorian, and today we are jumping into the actual verses and chapters of 2 Corinthians. Now, if you're new, we just finished up a section called All About, and that is where we review the Come Follow Me lesson plan but we do context first then we continue on the come follow me lesson plan and we continue on to the actual verses so that's where we are today a big shout out we had some of our first listeners from norway welcome norway so pretty exciting all right um one of the things we're going to find out about today is this tone i talked about we talked about uh paul having a sorrowful tone if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to that go back and read second corinthians all about. Uh, Also would be helpful for more context is the all about section on 1 Corinthians. Since it's the same people there's a lot of the history and the context of what it was like living in Corinth in the first century and so go back and and check out that if you want to get a little bit of background. But today we're actually going to jump in. The first thing I want to do is go through actually the introduction because we see some of the theme and what Paul is going to set up for us to understand for the rest of the letter. And then we'll jump in through a couple of the chapters and see what happens. That will be today. Now, next time we will go a little bit farther into 2 Corinthians. So that's that's what we have planned. All right. So here it is. I'm going to read to you the first couple verses. And we'll just get right at it. We'll just get to the meat of this thing. All right. 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to go just through the first couple of verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, And Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, and all the saints, which are in all Achaia. Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth in Christ. All right. Did you catch it? Did you, did you listen? There was a word that repeated, uh, it was like repeated like six times or 10, see, I think it's like 10 times in five verses. Uh, yeah, 10 times in five verses. Did you get what the word or the uh, parts of the word were? Comfort. Comfort. So uh, when you're studying, one thing to watch for is repeated words. Now remember these are translated uh, documents, so they might choose similar words. But if you kind of go through and just highlight or just make a note of words that are the same word or similar words, you might pick up a theme. And in this case, it's hard to mess. Comfort. Now Paul, um, we learn he is very concerned about what's going on in Corinth. He's also been really experiencing some struggles on his own. Here's the deal. We don't exactly know what those struggles were, right? This is like a game of telephone, or I guess listening to someone talk on the telephone, where you only have one side of the conversation. So we don't always know, but if we kind of can sleuth together what was happening, we know at this point. um, He writes pretty extensively that he had had a painful visit. He calls back to the Corinthians, and he had had his first letter Perhaps another another letter in between that we don't have uh, where he had rebuked them and really called them to on the carpet to straighten up and fix some of these issues they were having. And then he hears that they're still having problems. But not only that, they kind of go after Paul personally, and they're struggling with some of the cultural differences between what their teachers are. And we're going to learn about these super apostles that show up. So Paul has had some personal struggles uh, as well. Now, he's leaving Ephesus. Again, that's over we're kind of in Turkey. And he may come back up through like Philippi and then swoop down from Macedonia and come back into Corinth, or he might have just come across on a boat. And it sounds like they were expecting him, and he's and there's some confusion of whether he's coming or coming directly. And so there's just some hard feelings between the groups, and Paul really wants to reconcile to them. Remember. This was a group of people that he taught. He founded the church in Corinth. So these are people that he loves. These are people that he cares about greatly. And yet he has had some personal struggles and they are having some struggles. And and that's where we find ourselves. So let's go back to that word that's repeated 10 times. Did you catch it? Comfort. That is one of the main themes of this letter. And you kind of have that quieter softer tone throughout the letter so if you have a chance to reread it reread it with that in mind he's trying to comfort not only himself but the saints in Corinth and he goes through it so let's go through it and find out what he's trying to say I always have to kind of pull Paul apart here to understand it but um, in a letter uh, you probably know this but in a a letter there's kind of a formal setup where you introduce yourself you kind of say who you're writing to and at least your uh, credentials and he follows some of that But he changes a couple of the words uh, that we see typically, and that's in verse 2. But he first tells us that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he's not just called on his own. He he says specifically that it is by the will of God. And then he introduces Timothy. And we know a lot about Timothy. We love Timothy. We're going to see him in a couple more letters uh, in Ephesus. But Timothy, and he's commending Timothy to them as well. Um, but unto the church of God, the gathering, the word there is is gathering. We get kind of comfortable with these words, but that word ecclesia is like a group, a people group meeting in a group, um, and we say church. But they are the saints which are in all Achaia. Now Achaia is the greater thing. So he's saying this is going to go not just from Corinth, but from there it's going to spring out into the surrounding areas, uh, and that's important. Here's a word that I want you to think about that jumped out at me this time is saints. Uh, We have that right in the name of our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. What does saint mean? Um, So take a second, think about that. What does saint mean? Now, we're probably familiar with some of the Orthodox, whether it's Catholic or Greek Orthodox or Arme- Armenian Orthodox, something like that, where they are people who are special and right, pray to the saints, St. Saint Christopher or St. Teresa or, or whomever. Um, this is a little different, right? He's speaking to them in Corinth. So what's a saint? Uh, it comes from the word, the same exact word is uh, holy. It's the same word, someone who has made, been made holy. And something that is holy is, is something that is set apart something that is special and set apart and dedicated for a special purpose a few more thoughts on that word uh, the word in hebrew is kadosh and we see it the first place you see the word is actually in the genesis story the first place is the seventh day is set apart as holy um later we also hear there were times uh, times and spaces that are set apart as separate and holy. One of my favorite places is Isaiah 6, when the uh, seraphim say, holy, 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 kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. It's something that is set apart, something that is uh, absolutely belonging to God. It is something that is separate from just the worldly set apart. So you see that with the temple, with the tabernacle. Moses goes up onto Sinai. And he says, hey, take off your shoes. You're standing on something holy, something special set apart. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit hard to define, but we hear it a lot um, as far as holiness to the Lord, something that's other, something that's special, something that is uh, we get the same word sanctified, something that is made holy, as something that is that same way. Saint, sanctified in Latin, the same word as kadosh. So, first we say, he says, hey, these are people who are saints. You are those that are set apart. You're holy. You're special. You are special and dedicated to the Lord. One thing you might think about is what makes us holy? Probably something to do with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but something that sanctifies us, sets us apart, makes us different. And that's the first thing he starts off with. So remember, this is a new word for them, too. He's, he's writing a letter and he's saying, hey, um, these are my friends. These are those saints that are in Corinth. These special, set-apart, uh, called-of-God people. Then he says, "Grace be to you and peace." We can talk about those words forever, but let's keep going uh, from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the thing that gives us grace and peace. And he says, and then he has this little prayer. Uh, he says, "Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort." Here's where he starts to take that tone, uh, and that word starts to pop in. He is. He's, remember like the Beatitudes, blessed are ye, he's doing the same thing, blessed be God, right, a, a praise, a, a blessing, and he says that he's because he is the father of our Lord, but also he is the father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Last year sometime, I had a student in one of my Old Testament classes, we were, just beginning Old Testament and I said hey what do you think about the Old Testament and what's the tone and what are your feelings and just let's just throw out some things and one of the uh, students said hey it seems like the Old Testament it's a god of vengeance and punishment and then in the New Testament you flip the page and it's much more loving and merciful merciful and then the Book of Mormon is more of a balance and so that stuck with me he said I really think the Old Testament is a lot more of this vengeful hateful God I was like really I don't I know where you're coming from a lot of the prophets are pretty they're pretty nervous about some things happening right but do we see God in the old testament as a God of mercies and a God of all comfort because that's what Paul is saying is so here's a place I want to call out to you because if you're struggling Personally, if you're saying, I have illness, I've got stress, I've got family problems, I have uh, work problems, finance, real problems in your life, you need comfort. He's saying, This is where you come and get it. He is the Father of comfort and Father of mercies. And he goes on to say, This same God, our Father, is who comforteth us all in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them. Which are, in any tr- which are in any trouble, by the comfort where we, we with ourselves are comforted of God. Do you remember Mosiah, where they take the baptismal comfort? Do you remember what the promises that the people make, that they will uh, comfort those, mourn with those who mourn, carry their burdens, comfort those who need a comfort? Also, the Sermon on the Mount, right? Blessed is he. I think this is what he's saying, is we are going to go through trials, and God is going to comfort us. And we are going to be able to do that so that we can comfort another. So what's comfort? I was thinking about this and it seems to me it's where you can just be with another person and you can maybe speak to them or just change maybe the way they're reading the situation. Maybe it's just to give them courage, give them hope, just maybe help them with a new direction. But the first thing I thought it was just be with them. And isn't that what ministering in is? Isn't that what our baptismal comfort is, that we as saints will help each other? I think it is. <laughs> I think it's exactly what it is. So this chapter powerfully jumped out to me about this idea. Now, he's going to give us a clue of how he learned this comfort. Did he learn to be like the Father? Did Paul learn to be comforting because he had everything go right for him? No, we just said at the beginning. He'd been coming through a pretty tough time. And he says it's through those that he learned. But more so, it's because of Christ's suffering. That Christ's suffering, all the way from Gethsemane and the cross, is what taught him to comfort us. And that's what we learn. And in fact, it's a testimony that we're on the right track, is that we will have sufferings. So Paul is going to explain that this, the atonement of Christ and this real resurrection of a real person, Jesus, is something that is how we should see the lens of everything else that we do. And so when we're struggling, we look to Christ and say his suffering teaches me about my suffering and our father in heaven is the father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. So do you want to hear what Paul has to say about how we gain this comfort or how we tap into this? We keep reading. This is his prayer. And he says in verse 5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted. It is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that it is as, that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye be also of the consolation. So, powerful stuff. He's saying the sufferings of Christ, when they are abounding in us, when we suffer in our lives too, Um, That that is consolation because that's what Christ suffered. Additionally, it tells us that we can be steadfast, that we can be faithful in not only our tribulations, but in our obedience to the gospel because we are partaking in part of the suffering that is being a Christian. That's what it's going to be like to be a disciple, to be a Latter-day Saint, set apart. And this is the same thing that happened to Christ. It'll happen to us too, And it says, and it is for our consolation. Okay, powerful stuff. Have you often thought, I thought that if I became a member of the church and I was doing good things that I would avoid suffering? Clearly not. Clearly not. We're not going to avoid suffering. That is the lot in this world. And yet he's saying that this is, uh, we are holy and set apart and like Christ. And that is his prayer. Powerful. Read it again. Check it out. Some strong stuff. All right let's jump on to a couple more topics uh, for this lesson. And so jump over a little bit more and let's do moving on to chapter two. Paul continues writing he you'll notice he is trying to persuade these Corinthians, not with a heavy hand or with anything else, but he's very gentle and you're going to see that the problems from first Corinthians have continued and now new ones have been introduced. So instead of, um, beating them up or chastising them or trying some other technique. He's he's concerned, and so he's – and they're frustrated with him, and so he's going to kind of have this tone throughout the time. So he talks about that in, in Chapter 2, really the whole time. But And starting in Chapter 2, if you read through it, you might say, I don't understand what he's talking about, but part of it is what he's saying. That I said, hey, I, I told myself that I would come – I would not come again with – heaviness and I'm not going to come in there and whack you upside the head and and he's saying I'm supposed to come and I'm trying to bring confidence and joy and not this this chastisement or something else and he's saying so I wrote you before when I had a lot of tears and a lot of heaviness and I don't want you to be really upset with it but I I know I caused some grief with that and I don't want to overdo that so again he's he's kind of reeling it back in because we're going to find out that some others have taken advantage of that so some others these super apostles and some of these other teachers have gone in and really shaken the foundation of the uh the saints there in Paul's leadership and Paul's leadership so in chapter two that's kind of what he's discussing is like wow I you'll see this gentle tone and trying to kind of reconcile to them and I like what he says um in 10. I'm in chapter 2 verse 10. To whom ye forgive anything I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. He's saying let's just all forgive each other, right? And I did it in Christ. And then a warning, lest Satan should get advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Then he explains so that uh that he was going to travel around and, and so why they were probably wondering where he was. But he said, um, so he's just saying, I, I forgive you. I hope you forgive me. And then let's not let contention and Satan get in the way of this. Um, there's a phrase here that I really like. It's super Jewish. And, uh, and I just want to call it out in verse 16. Uh, I'm going to go one more. 15, 15, chapter 2. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved, and in them that perish. To the one we are the savour of death unto death, and to another the savour of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many, as many which corrupt the word of God, but as the sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God speak we in Christ." Remember when they did a, um, a sacrifice, one of the phrases, which we don't use, <laughs> phrases was either the, the, in, either the incense or the uh, smoke from the sacrifice. It would say that it um, was a sweet savor or a sweet smell, or it even say it would turn the nostrils. We don't think that, but it's, the idea is our sacrifices, literal sacrifices and atonements go to God and make him pleased. And so it was a way for him to say, to turn a phrase <laughs> Turn a phrase to say that God is pleased with us. Um, Man, we're out of time. This goes so fast. Well, let me be honest. I I have so much to say on some of these chapters or so many things jump out at me. We're never going to get through all this stuff. So here's my challenge as we end up today. Go back and reread the first part of 2 Corinthians. Read it with the eye of comfort. See what it means to be a saint and how to minister to each other and to reconcile to those that we've maybe offended or been offended on our behalves. That's what Second Corinthians is starting with. And next time, we'll jump into some of the actual issues and politics that are plaguing them. That's it. So let's read 2 Corinthians and we'll see you next time. Thanks, scriptorians.